0: Hey everyone, this is Jim from com, and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Okay, welcome back, and... Uh, Today I want to talk a little bit about where you are at this point in your life. And uh, we're, we're all at different stages in our lives. And, uh, but there's although we have different courses and paths that we travel, um, we have a remarkable number of similarities. Because as a human being, we experience the same basic um, tests and trials. For example, Peter put it this way. He said that don't think it strange the fiery trial which has beset you. But know this that the same testings, trials, and afflictions are happening to your brethren throughout the world. So um, whether we're male or female, black or white, um, whether we have a lot of money or not so much, um, we all go through the same basic um, category. Of tests and trials. So, whatever it is that's challenging you in your life, sometimes that particular situation may seem larger than life itself, especially if you've dealt with it uh, for a number of years. For example, the person who's chronically ill or is chronically in pain, after a while, it seems like their life revolves around that problem. And believe me, I understand why. For the person who is struggling to pay their bills, and it just seems like up until this point, up until today, their life has been one continuous struggle of paying bills and keeping quote-unquote afloat. And it seems like their whole life revolves around that. And again, I I can understand that also. With other people, it's other things. Um, uh, Just think about what Jesus said, the Gentiles sought after. They sought after what they were going to eat, where they would sleep or live, um, the clothes they would put on, all the basic things that connect us to the world around us. um, They worried that they wouldn't have enough. Now, here's the thing. There are people that have a lot of money, but they still worry as though they didn't because they're aware that that money can disappear Depending on whatever circumstances might beset them at any given point in time, there are people with a lot of money who've gone through the, uh, I guess you might say, the gamut of what you would do when you have a lot of money. You buy a lot of things and it's exciting at first, but then it becomes just natural every day and you don't even recognize or appreciate those things anymore because they're in such a great supply. Again, it's the natural fallen human nature. They've gone on the vacations. They've ate in the restaurants. Uh, they've done you know their thing on the boats. And the thrill of that, um, if you've never experienced that before, is just like anything else. Um, when things are new and fresh, um, things are exciting. But after a while, things get old. And that's because on the inside of us, we weren't designed to be fulfilled by outward things. We were designed after the image and likeness of God so what are the things that makes God happy what makes God happy one are the things that made Jesus happy is his relationship his connection um, on a real level to the people around him you know Jesus had a very small inner circle true he had uh, 12 original disciples but out of that 12 only three of them were considered today to be his inner circle these were Peter, James, and John. Um, so we we look at these things, and we and and sometimes we feel detached from the world around us because we deal with these struggles that we're so familiar with day in and day out. But sometimes you have to take a step back and look at the big picture, and realize that no, you're not alone. That there's other people. You don't maybe don't know who they are. They could be living next door a few houses down and you don't even know it because their outward appearance doesn't suggest that they're struggling with certain things. Um, I often said that if everybody basically filled out a a survey honestly from house to house, neighborhood to neighborhood, city to city, and you read about some of the problems that people deal with that you would feel almost embarrassed to feel like you were struggling when you compare what you have other things, but let's not let's not focus on that right now. What I want to focus on is the quality of life you have, and what the Bible says you need to do to really have peace and really walk the path that God has for you. God has a specific path for you, and I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I find myself looking at what someone else is doing, and I'm comparing what they have to what I have in front of me. I compare their work to my work, and you know, you sometimes think, well, why am I bothering? Because my life does not have the impact anywhere near what it should or what it could. And those are judgment calls we make about ourselves. But here is the thing. I like what um, John the Baptist said when his disciples came to him and they were dismayed because their ministry was shrinking while it seemed like the Jesus and his disciples were growing and multiplying. And they came to him one day and they said, Master, everybody's going to him now to be baptized. They're not coming to us anymore. Do you know the feeling of that when once things were one way and then suddenly they're not? And John the Baptist replied to his disciples and he said to him, no one can have anything unless God allow it. And then he went on to say that he already told them before that Jesus must increase while he must decrease. And so he had run the race that God set before him. He had done the job. And so we look at our own lives. Maybe you're comparing what you're doing or the impact that your life is having, and maybe you're not happy with it. And I want to say that there's one good thing about being dissatisfied. If you're dissatisfied with where you are in life and what you have in life and what you've done with your life, that's a good thing because that means that you can now do something about it. But what you do about it is up to you. In other words, You can try in your own strength, like you've been doing for the last God knows how many years, right? And you can think that maybe I'll just keep doing the same thing and sooner or later I'll break through. Or you can be honest with yourself, admit that maybe you don't know what you should do or you don't, the way isn't clear to you right now. And instead of asking for help from other people or other individuals, examining their lives and then trying to find similarities with yours, forget all about that. Go straight to God. This is one of the things that, a warning that was given under the Old Testament, that people would go to soothsayers and fortune tellers, and they would seek guidance from the other side. And basically, God said to avoid doing that, that people that would seek help from spirits and fortune tellers, that they would be caught in a snare. Uh, other translations says that they are all accursed. In other words, you don't need to plug into occult power in order to get answers to life. God invites you to come to him directly. And as a believer through Jesus Christ, sometimes maybe you're not going to a soothsayer or a fortune teller, but you're putting a lot of your stock in other people and in their opinions and in their suggestions. Instead, why don't you go directly to God for yourself And ask him for what you have need of directly. Because that's what God is looking for. He's looking for a relationship with you. God will never be really satisfied, I don't think, uh, with us. What I mean by satisfied, I'm not talking about the level which he loves us. I know he loves us unconditionally, but he'll never be happy. That's the only word I can think of in the English language. He'll never find that level of fulfillment. We'll never find it unless we have that connection together unless we desire to know him as Father. I want to know God as Father, not just God, because Jesus came to reveal God as a Father, and by doing so, presenting a deeper path and a deeper connection than was ever possible under an old covenant. We have a new and a better covenant established upon better promises. So, there is an invitation. We can go to God directly. Now, um, when you get in the habit of believing that you're not going to hear from God, so and God speaks through other people, and so on and so forth, when you do that, then you create a, a a rift of unbelief in your prayer life that will ever be present, whether you're praying for yourself or other people, whether you're praying for critical situations or basic situations, you have to learn that God wants to hear from you directly, that the blood of Jesus covers your sins as much as anybody else's, and that the love of God is there for you as much as it is for anyone else. The only, reason, the only way you can get that kind of faith that I know of is to read the Bible for yourself. Read the New Testament. Read the words of Jesus in red, right? And read the other scriptures. But read the words of Jesus. Now, right now I'm talking about life, and the foundations that we're building our lives upon. So the Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 13. is also known as a love chapter. But he says this. He says, now abides, or now lives, these three things. He's talking about these three things are alive in us. As a believer, they're put in there by the Holy Spirit. And I look at it this way. Everything that God gives us, he gives us in like seed form. And then it's planted and we water it and it grows. And like uh, Paul said, it's not the person who plants or the person who waters who's any big deal. It's God that gives the increase. So don't look at men, right? Look at God. Let your faith be in God the Father. Let your faith be directly in Jesus Christ the Son. Let your faith be in the Holy Spirit, right? Let your faith be in the Lord, in other words. But he put it this way, now abides these three, three faith, hope, and love. So if you hear that with a religious mindset, you don't really get out of it what it was designed and put there for. So what is faith in this context here? We're talking about now abides these three in your heart, in your inner man, in your reborn spirit, faith. That's confidence in God confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, confidence in the Holy Spirit, confidence that you are the temple of the Lord and that they dwell in you and that they will never leave you or forsake you. So when I'm out there in the world and I'm faced with these roadblocks or seeming roadblocks or these seeming problems which never seem to go away, I want to make sure that I approach these problems you know, we talk about people that look at life through rose-colored glasses. Well, I have three different tints to my glasses, so to speak. I want to look through the eyes of faith at these situations. I want to look knowing that God is has my back, God is for me, that God is leading and guiding me, that as I give problems over to him, as I ask questions which have maybe stumped me throughout the days, weeks, and months of my life, maybe even years, I want to begin to acknowledge that God, it says that if you give your, your problems and, and these situations over to God, He will you cast your cares upon Him, He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will. That's how God works. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. So instead of going over and trying to get other people's thoughts all the time and putting your faith in them, God will cause your own thoughts to become agreeable to his will. Um, I'm not going to go through all the, read all the scripture references. You can just type these words in Google and you'll find all the verses because I don't want to belabor any particular point here. I want to move faster than I usually do. So I want to be starting to look through the eyes of faith. When I'm talking about that, I'm talking about My health. I want to look at my health through the eyes of faith, knowing that God is there for me, knowing that I don't have to be a slave to any type of medical system, whether I have quote unquote benefits or no benefits, regardless of finances or money. I want to have faith, confidence in God that I can walk forward, knowing that God will not forsake me, no matter what's happening in the world around me. The Bible says. Uh, You know, a thousand may fall on one side, ten thousand may fall on another, but it will not come near you. Those who put your trust and confidence in God. I want to learn not only to look at things through the eyes of faith, but I want to look at things through the eyes of hope. Hope is how I see the future. Hope is my vision of tomorrow. You know, we have a hope of one day being in the presence of God, and I can see that in my heart. I want to have hope regarding the future of my health. I don't want to think that, well, just because I'm getting older means that I have to get sickly. There's plenty of people I've had people in my family. I my aunt Helen is the best example, although I had one aunt live longer than her. My aunt Helen passed away at 104, just shy of 105. Uh my aunt Lydia passed away at 107, I believe. Um her health was fine until I think the last few months of her life. Uh and my aunt Helen was fine I think until probably about the last 9 months of her life. Uh she spent some time in bed. I want to say that, I mean, I hate to say this, but I I think she was depressed in the end. If you live past 100, you see a lot of people die, and it becomes discouraging. I remember she said once when she was in her 90s that she felt like God forgot about her because there were so many people dying that she knew. And eventually, you live to be 100, I mean, you're one of the last remaining people of of your generation. Imagine this imagine you're a room full of people, they call your number, you go out. And there's people in that room and you're there for longer than you thought you'd be there and the, for somebody's number is called. Maybe two or three numbers are called and the room empties out. And out of the thousands of people in that room, you strike up conversations, you meet new people, whatever, and it seems like you're going to be in that room forever. But in the back of your mind, you know that some people have their number called and they leave the room. And then finally, you find that you're the only person left in the room. And your number's still not being called. I mean, sometimes I think that that's the only way I can relate it. Um, or that's at least the way that comes to my mind right now. About some of the people in my family, four or five of them passed 100 years old, uh, all females. Um, the men have made it as far as in their 90s. Um, my dad is going to be 85. Um, but my mom's is eighty, like two, I think. But anyway, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that um when I look into the future I wanna look and I wanna see a, a future that's blessed by God. I don't want to see myself in a wheelchair somewhere or forgotten or any of those things. I wanna have hope about the relationships in my life. Um I wanna have hope towards, you know, that I'll have enough to have uh live in a in a safe place with a roof that doesn't leak and those kind of things. I'm I'm just saying that sometimes how we see things can tilt towards the negative. And we just become used to that because everybody has such negative experiences that we see in the world today. It can be easy to borrow those experiences and then superimpose them into our own lives. And then the next thing you know, you really don't feel good thinking about tomorrow because you dread what the what-ifs in life. God doesn't want you to live with what-ifs. Now, if God, the Father, and Jesus literally come to live with you, and the Bible says they do, they're in your spirit, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, that they'll never leave and forsake you that if you put them first and you acknowledge them continuously day after day after day, um, that you don't have to worry about all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that everybody else is worrying about will be added to you, not taken away from you. And the thing is, because we don't have a lot of examples of this happening, but we don't have a lot of examples of, of, of godly people anymore either, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Isn't that true? If you're looking for examples, contemporary examples of of this, that it works for them, right? If you're looking for contemporary examples, before you're going to believe, then your faith isn't in God. It's not in the Bible. Your faith is in what other people are experiencing. And believe me, I wish I could say this never happened to me, but it's happened to me probably more often than not. A lot of times over the years, I've caught myself looking at other people's experiences that I thought were godly people or faith-filled people— and their experiences weren't positive. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, my mind told me, the carnal mind, the part that's that entity against God that's not subject to the laws of God, nor indeed can be, that part of your mind, said to me, well, if they didn't make it, obviously you're not going to relative in this area, in this area. Or if they suffered this, how much more do you think you will because you're not at the level they were? You follow what I'm saying? No one knows as much as you think they do. And remember, God's your father as much as he's their father." and every child. By the way, my aunt I was just talking about, they all came from the same family. I think there was 12 children altogether. One died early. So I remember asking my aunt, who was the second oldest, I said to her, how do you, in a family of 11 children, how do you have a, a good relationship with your parent? I mean, how everybody's relationship can't be the same. And the baby of the family, who passed away not Too many years ago, my Uncle Joe, who was in his, I think, about 93, 94. um, Do you have the same relationship with your father that, you know, the older ones did? And the answer she gave me was that everybody had an individual relationship. She had a close one, but she chose that. She chose to have that kind of relationship. And so the thing is, you know, if you choose, and we're just talking about earthly parents who are imperfect, you have a heavenly parent, right? You're part of a heavenly family that's not imperfect. It's perfect in heaven. God, his spirit is perfect. There's no imperfections about it. He can give you 100% of his attention and still do all the other things that need to be done on, in in the earth and in heaven. Remember the Bible says, pray this way, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? God's not willing that any should perish, but many perish, the Bible says broad is the way, wide is the path that lead to destruction and many there be that find it. But yet God's not willing that any should perish. That means God's will isn't automatic. You see, some people have convinced themselves that something happens because God allowed it. And if God allowed it, then it must be his will. But God allows us to make choices and God will allow us to have a close relationship with him if that's what we purpose that we want. That's what it means, seeking first the kingdom of God. Right, So we're talking about looking, through, looking at life, not through rose-colored glasses, but through faith, God-colored glasses. Through faith, hope, and love. These three, the Bible says, abides. Faith, confidence in God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Hope, faith, when you look to the future, when you look to tomorrow, whether it's a day away, a month away, a year away, or an eternity away, you see it through the eyes of hope. And finally, love. Right? Faith is confidence right now. Hope is that that everything's going to be okay tomorrow. And love is the attitude towards people. I mean, we use the word love interchangeably for so many things, but the Bible says that God is love. And we can look at how he reaches out to us and how he did through Jesus. And I look at the attitude that Jesus had, that, you know, that he was... um, Accused of all kinds of horrible things, and he didn't retort in the same manner back towards people that people were violent towards him, and he didn't respond with violence in 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 turn and I want to have that I want to see people like God sees them I want to see the potential in everybody because if they're still breathing if they're still here on earth, then there's still a work to be done there's still a chance for them I want to assume that there's a chance for everybody I want to assume that somebody's lost but they're not. And then God's will isn't done in that person's life relative to how I can affect them because I made the wrong call. I made the wrong judgment. So I want to have the right attitude towards people and I want to have the right attitudes towards God. I want to love God the way he loves me. I know his love is perfect, The love of God, the Bible said, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we don't just have a natural human type of love working in us. We have a supernatural kind of love. It's the kind that appreciates the people around us. It's the kind that wants to reach out and help. It's the kind that wants to be a light wherever we are. You know, in the world, if you don't do something large on a grand scale, then basically you didn't do it right, or you wasted your life. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that the one is even more important than the 99 because that one is lost, and there's more rejoicing when that one person is found. God can use you to find that one person that was lost. So we are the city set on the hill. We have to light our shine wherever God has us in our, in our lives. You know and if God decides to increase you, then that's his choice. And if for whatever reason he decides to, that you have to keep it small or more intimate, or your effect is more concentrated to a smaller number of people, then is it a waste? Absolutely not, because every single human being that God has called is of utmost importance. They're all part of the family. We're all part of the family, and what we do matters regardless of what the the world considers a grand scale or how they place importance on things. So, as I look at these three faith and hope, faith, hope, and love, and how I'm seeing the world around me, I realize that I have to face my fears in the name of Jesus. I have to face them with the faith, hope, and the foundation of love, God's love in my life, or else I'm continuously going to be discouraged. I'm continuously going to see things through a pessimistic mindset, through a pessimistic vision. And I'm going to look at my life. Instead of being a gift from God, instead of being here to make a difference and really doing it, I'm going to look at it as kind of like I'm just waiting to get out of this place. You know, like a lot of people are. They're discouraged. I understand why, but it doesn't have to be that way. They feel pessimistic. Again, I understand why, but it doesn't have to be that way. And they want to give up. Absolutely, I understand why, but it doesn't have to be that way. We are here to face the trials, to face the tests without fear, to face them in the name of Jesus and to overcome. Because when we overcome, when we bear good fruit, God is glorified. When we're defeated, when we fail, when we just throw in the towel, the enemy is glorified. Right? Doesn't uh, You can tell the, the tree by looking at the fruit, and you can tell the life by looking at the fruit. So forget about where you've come from, because that's gone. It doesn't matter. All that matters is where do we go from here. And I want good things. For you too, I want good things, and I want you to want good things for your own life, for the lives of the people around you, and I want you to have that faith, hope, and love foundation. Peter went I'm going to leave you with this into a little more detail. Second Peter Chapter two verse or I'm sorry, second Peter chapter one, verse four. It says whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers, we could take that word out and, and put receivers. In other words, you receive, you partake, you actually reach across, pick up the bread, and put it in your mouth. We are the partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make, excuse me, I'm looking at this translation. I have numbers all over the place from the Strong Concordance. So let me back up and let me get these numbers off the screen. Okay. Let me start again with Second Peter 1.8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, that rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. I'm going to put my bookmark in it there. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. God bless you. If you think this podcast will help somebody, send them the link. Or tell them to go to faithtestedbyfire.com. They can sign up for the update list there. I send out an update every time a new podcast is released. Thanks again. God bless you. And I'll talk to you soon.